0: And slew to the Cardinals and Mizzou. You don't just barge into the booth when I'm on the air. This is the Big Sports Show. I could be like an announcer, like a column man. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? (laughs) The Big Sports Show starts now. Hey, let's do this. Here's Brendan Wiese on the Big 550 KTRS. (laughs) Let's do this. It's the Big Sports Show on the Big 550 KTRS. Brandon, we see sports columnist from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, the award-winning Ben Fredrickson. We're with you for the next hour. The Valley on the Big 550 KTRS comes your way at 8, talking some MVC hoops. A couple big games this weekend in and around the Valley. We'll have some fun talking about that. The Coach Rich Savosic. Call him Martin's guy. Coach Z. They... Tend to do the first game of the weekend. Thursday, And it's, of course, Thursday now. It's usually Coach Z and Martin. So uh, that'll be fun here in a couple of months. But we've got uh, ways to go through the regular season before we can put a cap on it. But ton to get into with Ben Fred. Right now he joins me on this what was a slick, now a wet, damp, and still somewhat treacherous... Monday evening, if you're you're out there uh, driving, Ben, how are you, sir?
1: Doing well, man. Good to be with you. And yeah, I kind of tried to stay in today. I did look out um, at one point and see some neighbors navigating their way out of the neighborhood. My wife saw our, our neighbor across the street, teenager, who's a hockey player, loading up his hockey goal into his car. So he was clearly going somewhere to get some outdoor hockey in. And my first thought was, wow, that sounds really fun. And then my second thought was, God, I would break something. <laughs> just, <laughs> that's that's getting old. You're like, oh, that seems cool. Oh my gosh, that sounds that sounds so dangerous. Um and, and then tonight, I don't know if you've seen some of the newscasts are running like doorbell footage of people taking their first steps outside this morning and just eating it. I mean, just oh, falling down and cracking yeah. elbows and tailbones. Ooh, and I've is, been there.
0: Uh, I've been there many ooh, times. You have. I've been and
1: there two it's of them painful to watch. It. it made me sore watching it
0: two times. And obviously last year when I separated my shoulder, that was just me slipped tripping up the stairs, nothing to do with ice. But when I lived at the lake and anybody that knows and, and worked at KRMS radio and they're up on this big hill. So if you're familiar with Osage beach, you know where the radio station's at. And, we had like a foot of snow down at the lake, and it's like, well, guys, you know, park down there where, where the Culver's—there's uh, a Culver's there now. I don't know if there was a, there was a parking lot, and uh, there's a foot of snow, and there must have been ice underneath it. I get out of my car and immediately slip and bite it and land on my back or my butt or something, and it was— Absolutely brutal, and then I still had to walk all the way up the hill to get to the radio station. That's like one of the first times I remember. And then there was this, and we get these all the times in Saint, all the time in Saint Louis, Ben. And th- this was uh, a little bigger deal today, and was well advertised by all the local meteorologists. But that we had a little sleet event, and my dad was picking me up from my place to go grab dinner. And I just completely blanked on the little bit of little freezing drizzle we got in the afternoon, walking down my steps and slipped on the top step, go all the way down and land on my elbow, uh, down below, which is a good or, you know, seven to 10 foot fall. Maybe not that, maybe more like five to seven feet, but it, it felt like a long way. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I've done it so many times. It's, uh, they all they all run together but luckily i didn't today that's the most important thing and i think we're i mean we're in the clear in terms of ice in metro st louis it's going to rain a bunch the rest of the night so it's again it's not like an, it's an easy go on the roadways but at least it's not uh, an ice rink like it was this morning
1: yeah hopefully st- folks are staying safe and uh and just taking it easy if they got to go somewhere but it sounds like everything's going to be improving just wet and not so much ice and you know it'll probably be 40 degrees in a couple of days so 40 50 degrees it knowing will. how things are here in st louis you're right we are hopefully through the worst of it here yeah you're right about that
0: the 40s and 50s are on the way so that is a good thing so on kind of a wintry night let's talk some baseball ben we've got some cardinals news and not Super groundbreaking, but instead of going through arbitration, the Cardinals and Tommy Edmund agree on a two-year contract today. And we've talked about Edmund off and on, Ben, and he's a he's a curious case because I think he's a super valuable player. I know you think he is an ultra-valuable player, but I do think it's a reasonable discussion to wonder what his value is if he is your everyday center fielder as opposed to somebody you can play everywhere. There, There's going to be a, uh, an expectation that he's playing, I don't know, 130, 140 games in center, right? Um, wh- where does his value lie, where does his defense lie, and uh, for a guy that I've viewed as incredibly streaky and when he's good, I'm serious when I say he can carry a ball club for a couple of weeks when he's right because it feels like he's hitting a beach ball because everything is hit hard, he brings the speed, everything to the table, but he... He goes on those skids, Ben, that uh, Matt Carpenter made popular. Now Carpenter back, but where he'll just be useless for three or four weeks, where he's hitting a buck fifty. The good news is, you know, Edmund will bounce back, unlike Carpenter always did. But I, I don't know. Edmund's is a curious case for me, and I'm not a hundred percent sold that he's your answer every day in center. I know he's a valuable piece, but. I'm just curious what Tommy Edmund is moving forward. The ball club feels he's an important piece, and he definitely is. But I I think he there's still it still remains to be seen at what level he answers the bell. If he's your everyday center fielder,
1: I think he's your center fielder until you need him somewhere else or someone better comes along. Which is exactly what he's been for this team. He was your second baseman until you needed a shortstop. And now he's a center fielder, and unless you need a shortstop again, yeah, um, and that's the value of Tommy is that he can be a Gold Glove caliber player at just about any position you want to throw him at, and he won't just hold water there; he'll 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 make plays there, um, and he's done it when when I mean it's been very common theme with Tommy. The Cardinals let Colton Wong go because they felt like they could get as good, if not better, production without paying him what it was going to take to keep him. Tommy Evans went to second base and won a gold glove. Um, then you know, all of a sudden the, the need was at shortstop and the idea was, well, yeah, he filled in admirably more, more so than people thought for, for Colton, but can he play short? And he was a pretty dang good shortstop. And then same thing now in center field. So I don't know that he's a career center fielder. I think he's a he's the best option they feel like they have right now and I think they feel like he can hold the job until Victor Scott is that guy they Cardinals hope for years to come. That doesn't mean that they'll have to move on from Tommy Edmund then. It means they could put him wherever else they need him next. Um, I do wonder you know, what happens to him long term because he's going to keep making some real money here yes, he is. because of how many positions he can play that's being valued. and I think the Cardinals did a smart thing here. They got him. They pushed his free agency back to 2026, um, he, they didn't need to take this guy through arbitration. And, and Tommy's not a Tyler O'Neal. He's not going to melt because he heard some mean things in an arbitration hearing. He is very analytical. I think that there's probably just as good of a chance that he and his agent would have gone to arbitration and won because they will have ways to illustrate how dynamic he's been for this baseball team. And and the Cardinals, you know, the Cardinals have talked up his versatility a lot. They would have had a hard time sitting across the table and arguing against that versatility. So I think the Cardinals were, were saying, look, we're at a $450,000 difference here. That's almost half of what you know, Matt Carpenter is getting as the major league minimum to come play for this team. Um, let's, just, let's just lock this up into a multi-year deal, push back his free agency to 2026, not have to deal with this anymore, and keep a valuable piece of the team around. It's also, I think, worth mentioning, Tommy's a pretty – valuable leader for this team. Um Golly, I'm getting tired of talking about Cardinals leadership um, <laughs> in terms of you Nolan know, Arenado saying they don't have enough or wanting more old guys. Well, Tommy Edmund and Brendan Donovan are two younger guys who have, who are leading for this team. And Tommy's about to be 29. So he's not a spring chicken anymore, but he, the way he plays, his willingness to play through injuries, which he did this past season, um, his willingness to go wherever the team needs him, the the way in which he plays the game, prepares, it's really impressive. Um, and I think it's been a good example for a lot of younger players, um, Brendan Donovan included. So I think you check all those boxes, the Cardinals say, look, there's a realistic deal to do to do here. I don't know that Tommy's going to be a lifetime Cardinal because at some point he's going to be making enough money where the Cardinals might say they've got – you know, Thomas Segacy who's doing similar things. They got a Brendan Donovan, who's of Mr. Versatility. They've kind of, in some ways, led by Edmund, I think, started v- valuing these guys more, and they've got some younger guys that could end up being to Tommy what Tommy was to Colton. Um, Colton didn't have quite that much versatility, but uh, for now, I think this is a good move, and I think it—you it, don't want to risk just the the chance that that Tommy gets all dented in in an arbitration hearing because he's pretty important to your team this season. Now there's only one big question with Edmund and it's, can his wrist hold up? He had that off season repair. Perfect scenario would be that he shows some more offensive pop and stability and consistency that he hasn't had lately. I think part of some of the reasons he's gone on some of those ups and downs was because he was kind of dealing with that wrist injury that was affecting him. So if that holds and he's ready to go, then maybe we see, kind of more of a 2022 offensive performance from Edmund instead of a 2023. And maybe the the streaks are
0: more good streaks and less bad streaks for Edmund this year, and that would certainly raise his value. Um, I know we're we're both fans. Ben, we like to watch, uh, you know, some good cable television series that are out there. I think we both have watched billions. I, I, I don't know. I think you agree with me that the series – started to run its course after you know season three or four. I, st- I thought it started to get off the rails a little bit. You know Big what time. you know what television series I, I feel like has started to go off the rails a little bit and that would be the Cardinals outfield. I believe we're (laughs) in Cardinals in general. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm concentrating on the Cardinals outfield as the world turns, which is like on season nine or ten right now, where we get to spring training. It's like, well, what about the outfield? Do you think we've got? uh, Do you think the Cardinals have this plotted out where they've they've got their outfield situated? I feel like we're closer, Ben. I feel like the combination of Edmund Walker newt bar this might finally be it where you could and again this obviously revolves around whether or not they're all completely healthy but if they are i feel like we could get to spring training with that being your everyday outfield and then actually getting to august and september where that's your everyday outfield. I'll add this. It better be your everyday outfield still because I, I think the everyday production for this team, we talk about leadership. Man, leadership's not going to mean a darn if you don't have production from you know, top of the list, that outfield on an everyday basis. And I think Dylan Carlson as your fourth outfielder – I feel like you're kinda we're we're kinda settling here for what Dylan has ultimately turned into, but man, get something out of this guy because I, I feel like he still has things to offer, but I'm hopeful after all of these tries, it feels like it, it, it has been going on for almost a decade, Ben, where we've talked about what about the Cardinal outfield? Maybe it's finally settled and we can end this annual television series that goes on for weeks on end as you plot out nine or ten different guys that end up getting looks. Maybe we can finally settle on this being the Cardinal outfield for at least a couple years, like you said, before uh, maybe Victor uh, Victor Scott promotion or uh, Edmund moves on, I like it. I like that this could be a regular look for twenty twenty four.
1: Man, so you're telling me that when the ratings uh, start to dip, there won't be a must see episode like Matt Carpenter popping up in left oh, field no. this season? Um, <laughs> look, I'm gonna. I, I I'd love to see. I would love to see it. I'm gonna have to be- see it before I believe it. Um, this is once again another, I think, hopeful Cardinals outfield. I feel better that this isn't, um, you know, we're not being told Tyler O'Neill suddenly is a center fielder. Uh, none, nothing being projected for this group seems that absurd. I think we we watched Tommy Edmond play a pretty dang good center field last year. The offense is a fair thing to question, but he can cover a lot of ground if he holds up. I mean, if he's coming off a wrist injury and he dives into the wall first week of the season and his wrist is hurt, then maybe everything goes to, goes to pot. But we saw him play center field aggressively and smartly last season. He's the kind of guy when he says he's been working on something in the offseason, I actually pay attention to that. Um, He's been working on kind of expanding his distance sprinting. I think he'll be able to cover more ground. He's trained this, offseason like an outfielder versus like a shortstop. And I think Tommy is a diligent guy enough that he'll make some improvements on his outfield play because of knowing that he was going to be first up there when the season starts. Um, Jordan Walker, it's got to be about the bat. We know that. I think we saw good signs offensively from him last year. And I think it's worth noting that he got better as the year went along defensively. He's never going to be a gold glove guy in the corner outfield, but he doesn't need to be. Um, And he did spend all off season working with Jose Okendo down there in Jupiter, which is a great sign. And he told Okendo, look, I I want the hard coaching. And Okendo has no problem giving that to a guy who wants it. Newbar to me is the most interesting piece because I think he's probably, from what happened last season, what wasn't there last season for this group, he's probably the biggest guy who can raise your ceiling because he just didn't play all that much. And when he did, he was pretty pretty impactful. He walks unlike. Tommy Edmond if there's one knock on Tommy it's that Lars will actually take walks you'd like to see the power creep back up to what it was and even surpass what it was in in 2022 um but with the with the on base percentage the speed that he can bring when he's on base I mean he didn't hit for power at all last year he slugged 418 and he still had a 784 OPS um you know maybe if he's in there a little bit more has a chance to settle in a little bit maybe that power moves in the right direction but i think this guy's got a chance to be a pretty pretty impactful outfielder at the age of 26 so if walker builds on what he did last year and newt bar stays healthy all you need really is tommy is to play great defensive center field and and be be a plus in some capacity in the lineup and if you can just do that then you've got a better baseline outfield And, you know, then you figure out, okay, where does an Alec Burleson fit into that? Um, I don't think Victor Scott is too far away. I think they feel like his defense is major league ready today and perhaps difference making. But I don't think they want to be – I know they don't want to be in a spot where they have to promote him before his offense is ready at the major league level and then potentially have two guys that you're kind of trying to find a way to carry through the lineup and Mason Wynn – getting his reps getting his feet beneath him at shortstop um, and also in the outfield so I, I think they would like that to be something they do because he's proving he's ready not something they do hoping that he's ready
0: yeah I wouldn't you know it's it's interesting because I think that's a I think that's the perfect point on on Scott because there there are a lot of questions still about Mason Wynn and and where the bat is at you hope the glove is at an elite level so Wynn doesn't necessarily have to make that jump offensively but i'd say there's more pressure that jordan walker does right ben that he gets yeah, close that he sure. gets closer to the guy that we've talked so much about and i i think it's fair to say it was steady and it wasn't anything outrageous or you know noticeable over like a day and a, and, a, and a week per se but Ben I would say there was incremental improvement from Walker all throughout the year and then of course that includes the the hitting streak he had to start the year and and then the uh, trip down to the minors just a, a few short days later I, I think Walker answered a lot of questions and played very well with a lot of the pressure that's, that accompanies someone who is a top prospect in an organization like the Cardinals. But there will be expectations that he makes that next step in, and I don't know exactly what those numbers are, but I think we'll know him when we see him, and if he can get anywhere close to that level, then you talk about a Cardinals offense that will have a uh, a lot more weapons than it's than it's had and some of the questions of, okay, now is it time to move Walker to the middle of the lineup on a daily basis? I think we, we both agreed last year that there was no, no necessity to do something like that so soon, but maybe if he starts to reach those levels that we expect, uh, maybe that time will come sooner rather than later
1: yeah, I, I think it's it's fair to put more um, expectations on his shoulders. Um, he's gotten a taste of of what this is about. and I think he wants that. And I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, the better Jordan Walker thrives, the better Mason Wynn is gonna is gonna thrive. Those guys, if you look at their trajectory together, they've always been best when they're together and they feed off each other and and there's no reason they can't continue to do that at the major league level. So I I think with Walker, the comfort of knowing his way around this, uh, the distance from the silliness of, you know, all the obsession about his launch angle, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the guy stuck in the majors for more than 400 at bats last season. He averaged 276. He had a 342 on base. He slugged 445. He had a 114 adjusted OPS. That's 14. Percent better than league average for a 21 year old. That's pretty dang impressive. The guy hit 16 homers. Um, I, I think because of the some of the defensive miscues, which are valid. You got to play your position, um, but also some of the just the over intense dissection of some of his swings at time, which I think was more of a byproduct of where the Cardinals were more than where Jordan Walker was. I think the Cardinals were trying to kind of figure out how to lose, and they're not used to it. And I feel like a lot of things that, if they just would have been playing a little bit better as a team, maybe would have just gotten not ignored, but kind of downplayed a little bit. Um, Like Jordan Walker's, like Jordan Walker's, no, like Jordan Walker's, uh, you know, the over obsession about his ground ball rate for a period of time that got him sent down to the minors, which I still don't think needed to happen. Um, I think those would have been minor things, but they were a little they were a little probably skewed by the disappointment of the season last year. The guy finished fifth on the team in RBIs. He was top five in home runs. Um, You know, he had a pretty, a pretty impactful year for a 21 year old rookie and his, his trajectory is not one where he has a year and then doesn't build off of it. So I think, I think he will build off this. And if you saw him at winter warm up, he's a large, man Um, he's up to about 260 pounds right now and he doesn't look like he's lost any of his athleticism he's going to be an imposing presence at the plate and if he can be a guy who starts to really give opposing pitchers headaches as to where do you attack this lineup with Goldschmidt and Gorman and you know Contreras and Arenado that would be a great thing for this team to me Walker and in Lars bar got to be the guys that really prove the Cardinals right when they say this offense did some good things last year and it can do a lot better things in 2024 despite not a lot of big changes to the lineup.
0: I don't know if you'll agree with me on this. We spent some time last week. At least I was banging the drum for Matt Holiday to get a little more love with the Baseball Hall of Fame. Is that will be announced here soon? And and uh, Holiday is going to fall off the ballot, not reaching that requisite five percent minimum to return to the ballot. The next year, uh, but we were talking about how maybe Holiday's defense penalizes him a little bit, and I, I make the case that it shouldn't because man, Holiday played left field, one of the least defensive, defensively impacted positions on the diamond. It's it's not it's not that vital. Left field is where you put one of your worst defensive players when it's all said and done. And Jordan Walker, a, a corner outfield guy, maybe he winds up at first base. I'd much rather him play a defensive position than than wind up as a as a DH. But, Ben, I, I'm going to try to concentrate this year on Walker not to harp on the defense. And you'd love for that to improve, but let's be honest. Walker's going to make his money with how he produces at the plate. He's not a shortstop. He's not your catcher. He's not at third base. He's not at a high-impact Defensive position. So the bat needs to be elite. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not going to try. I, I, I'm not going to mistake where his bread is going to be buttered. It's at the plate, and I, I, I'm going to spend less time really pouring over. Well, he's a little subpar here defensively. Big deal. If he hits, the dude is going to be fine.
1: Yeah, I, I think the offense has to be significantly better than the defense and the better the offense is, the more he can live with a little, uh, some glitches, occasionally defensively. I I think he can be a capable outfielder. I I don't think he's going to be a guy who, you know, like I said, he's not Tyler O'Neill out there. Tyler was a pretty elite outfielder, but he can be a guy who you don't cringe when the balls hit too. And I think he showed last season, not that he got to that point, but that he clearly made strides. I mean, you couldn't, you can't tell me, if you watched last year that he didn't get better yeah more comfortable as a season went along it wasn't that long ago that this guy was playing third base so i think people forget he didn't come up as an outfielder he's out there because that's that's where the cardinals and he wanted to go when they signed when they when they traded for nolan Arenado. that was the that was what moved him um you know same thing for nolan gorman now to me nolan gorman's the kind of guy where I have no problem if Nolan Gorman takes the bulk of his at-bats at DH this year. To me, Nolan Gorman's got the kind of power that if that's what he is, that's, that's fine. And if that stops him from having to miss chunks of time with a, with a tense or tightened up back, even that's the way to do it. Now Walker hasn't shown an inability physically to do the job. He's shown some, some pretty significant growing pains, um, but he's also shown improvement. So to me, if there's one guy who looks like he's he's trending toward maybe more of a full-time DH identification, to me it's Nolan Gorman, um, not Jordan Walker. And to me, that's the way that this team could have some real consistency and a little bit of enough versatility to get Paul Goldschmidt a day off from time to time off his feet, let him DH from time to time, let Nolan or not on DH from time to time. But to me, I think the Cardinals are best this year if they're playing those three guys in the outfield Edmund Newt Bar Walker if they're playing Brendan Donovan at second base Mason when at shortstop the big guys on the corners Contreras catching and then you're and, the, and then let Nolan Gorman take a big chunk of those DH reps to try to protect that back I think that makes the lineup pretty pretty deep and uh I think it I think it probably gives the Cardinals a more stable um kind of steady defense as well
0: yeah I think it, there, there's a chance it's a Really good group, and once again, we'll be concentrating on if the pitching can do enough to make this a a real competitive ball club. Uh, let's, Let's take a break, Bennett, and to that end, there are teams in the division saying, hey, remember us, we're here too. And one of those teams, maybe surprisingly, maybe not, the Pittsburgh Pirates. They made a move this afternoon, Bennett, we'll talk about that. When we come back, sneaky, sneaky, maybe dangerous Pirates team in the division here in 2024 we'll talk about it next brendan and ben fred with you talking a little baseball here on this wintry monday on the big 550. winter is here and that means snow ice and sometimes dangerous cold the air quality experts at aldown would like to remind you to discuss back to the big sports show with brendan and ben fred on the big 550 ktrs 7.41 7.41 mentioned some breaking news baseball hot stove starting to flicker again a little bit the Pittsburgh Pirates have signed Araldis Chapman to a one-year contract as we're still in this stage, as to wonder if the Cardinals have another move to address the bullpen. Uh, Pirates' bullpen at the back end looking kind of scary. Chapman more than likely won't be... won't be their closer. That's going to be a David Bednar, who's been an all-star and has been a lockdown guy at the back end of the pen for the Buccos. If if Chapman is your seventh or eighth inning guy, look out. I mean, the Pirates have some interesting pieces. Do they get O'Neill Cruz back, Ben? Does Brian Reynolds bounce back from just sort of a so-so season? Is Mitch Keller a, a legitimate front-end the rotation guy for years to come had kind of a breakthrough season in 2023. They've got some pieces, probably not enough to be a legit contender. But remember, they started out quick out of the gates last year. And and as you were telling me off the air, maybe it was Cruz's injury that really deflated uh, that balloon as they went along.
1: It seemed like they kind of had that uh, Reds momentum going where the Reds were young and fun and energetic. And you wonder, OK, could it, could it uh, hold up? over the season. And then, and then when Cruz went down, he had, unfortunately had that awful broken ankle injury. Yeah. It was kind of like the air went out of it. Um, and, and he supposedly is supposed to be back and ready to go. Now you wonder how an ankle injury like that is going to hold up for a guy who plays such a physically demanding position and is the kind of player who relies on his athleticism and his speed. But, you know, even after that injury, which happened pretty early, they went on and they won 76 games, which, People can scoff at, although I don't think anybody here can scoff at um, an 86 loss season, considering what happened to the Cardinals last year. But it was their most wins since, I mean, go back to 2018. Um, they they were able to keep, um, you know, their one of their one of their best players and Brian Reynolds. So I think they feel like with some of these guys that they have, they've got maybe a, a chance to to be a little more competitive. And if anything else, it's just sometimes the power of positivity in a place like Pittsburgh that has struggled so much. So, when you see additions like this with Chapman, who can be still very effective, can be very wild. Um, he will scare you. He might strike you out. He might hit you. He might. Who knows what? It, who knows what's coming from him? But um, he's still one of the most uh, imposing high leverage relievers in the game. Um, we're seeing that now. The National League Central kind of starting to. Make some moves. The Cubs made their big signing. The Pirates are are doing something here, and this really is starting to be a little bit more uh, representative of what we saw, a chance for some of these kind of usually downtrodden teams in the division to compete at a little higher level. They just spent the whole offseason until now in a kind of a hibernation, Um, but uh, this is a move that makes you sit up and go, okay, maybe the Pirates are uh, feeling like they at least want to start the year having a chance. Now, we know what the Pirates do. If the bottom drops out, they'll quickly sell these guys. They'll trade them away like they did Jose Quintana to the Cardinals not that long ago, but uh, they're going to try to give this team a little bit more of a chance to start the season, and I think that's exciting for Pittsburgh fans, and it's exciting for the division because golly, this division is begging for someone to jump up and grab it, and the Cardinals have been more active than any other team, but they haven't exactly dropped the hammer and maybe a team can uh can can find an opening here and capitalize on it. But I think action in the central is good for the central because it kind of encourages everybody in the division to wake up a little bit.
0: And maybe I was out to lunch and I missed it, Ben. You said the Cubs made a big off-season acquisition. Who is that other yeah, than Council? Yeah, they
1: counsel? signed one of the uh, No, they signed one of the uh, international uh, pitchers. No, that's right. Um that's right. Yeah, they they one of the they didn't they they wanted to get Otani they didn't they wanted to get Yamamoto um and they, and they didn't um so they went out and signed one of the other uh international starters who's supposed to be uh supposed to be pretty good so um Shote Iman- Imanaga um, I'm probably butchering his name I apologize but they uh they expect him to be uh be um an impact maker in the vision I don't think it's something that The Cardinals go, oh, my God, you know, they can't win with They can't win with the Cubs having this guy. Um, He was one of the more down-ballot international additions, but he got a four-year deal, pretty big deal. And there was some rumors that maybe the Cardinals and and he had some mutual interest, but it doesn't matter now. The Cubs got him, and the Cubs are on the board. The Pirates are on the board. And uh, I guess now we wait to see if the Reds have anything left. They've said they're pretty much done. The Reds in addition to the cardinals were about the only two active teams so far in free agency the brewers have made moves but they've been very odd moves they've been like they're kind of doing this thing i don't know if you followed their their moves yet but they've kind of gone out and gotten these collection of guys who've got some major league experience a lot of contract control years left but they've been for the better i mean for more or less busts and they're going to try to tinker and fix some of these guys pitchers and position players um, they traded some of their more appealing prospects to get some of these kind of dented uh, major league players with, with minor league options left. So they're going to kind of try to go at it that way. And, and we'll see how that works out for them. I'm a little surprised the Brewers haven't done a little bit more just to kind of make up for the blow of losing counsel. And they passed on, where did
0: Woodruff end up? Because they declined his, uh, they non-tendered Woodruff, right?
1: Yeah. And I don't think, unless I've missed it in the past couple of days, I, I don't think he has gone anywhere there's a lot of pretty impressive free agent pitchers relievers and and rotation guys still still out there um Blake Snell hasn't signed That's crazy Jordan, Jordan Montgomery hasn't signed um that's the one I I don't think the Cardinals and there was no like when Jordan Montgomery left there was no like idea that the Cardinals were going to be in play for him that he wanted to come back I do wonder though. Like at some point, like, do the Cardinals go to Jordan Montgomery's camp and say, "Hey, look, if what you want isn't out there, would you take a, a, a return trip on a on a one year deal uh, to reset your market at a place you know that with a catcher you've you thrown to with a team that you know a city that you know?" I don't know. I I, I would be interested in that if uh, if uh, if there was a willingness to listen on the Scott Boris side of things, but. I mean, Blake Snell still out there. Jordan Montgomery still out there. Brandon Woodruff, who you mentioned, still out there. Um, I mean, this guy was a uh, this guy was a pretty impactful pitcher not that long ago. Clayton Kershaw <laughs> still still out there. We don't know what's going to become of Julio Urias, of course, who had the domestic violence uh, allegation against him. Zach Greinke, um, Clevenger, Rich Hill, who apparently still wants to keep going at age forty-four. Kluber. I mean, there are a lot of guys who are unsigned. Um, that that are going to have to be taking deals here soon because it's like, you know, we're, we're approaching less than a month. We're less than a month, more like three weeks away from when these guys are going to have to start reporting to camp.
0: I mean, would Montgomery take four years and less than $100 million, Ben? Because I think there, I mean, there would obviously be some hidden value there. I don't, I, I. Now if Montgomery said, "I'll take a one-year deal." Sure, I guess you would do that as well. But from a Cardinal's perspective, if they weren't really thinking uh, he'd be in their price range, if he suddenly is, I, I look at Montgomery. He's not an ace, but he's better than a number three. I'd say he's somewhere between a two and a three in a rotation. He's a lefty. He's got familiarity with your ball club and your and and in and, uh, and the city. Man, that. It might be worth it if the if the if for you know for the Cardinals to dip their toes back in the water here even if they think they've got all their pitching addressed we know they've been there before and they've been dead wrong. I man, I I don't know if there's um I don't know if it's a not you know kind of in their realm here to to see what might be possible with Montgomery.
1: Well, when the when he left, there was a lot of people assuming the Cardinals will be in on it. And my vibe was never that he was looking to come back to St. Louis. Not because he hated the Cardinals, but just that I thought he, he wanted to either stay in Texas, where he won a World Series. He always he was pretty candid that he didn't really have much interest in being traded from New York the first time around. Right. Um, you don't know how things are going to to change as a market gets evolved. And he is a Scott Boris guy, and Scott's got a, a long history of waiting and waiting and waiting, and people think, okay, this guy is not going to have a spot, and then boom, a deal strikes, and it's more than people would have thought. I know that MLB Trade Rumors projected him at six years, $150 million. That was at the beginning of the offseason. That was the same projection they had for Aaron Nola. Um, Aaron Nola wound up getting seven and, and 172. Um, there's a lot of chatter that, that Montgomery is holding out for something better. Then what Aaron Nola got, he's a younger he's a younger pitcher. I wouldn't give him that if I were any team. That one of them, the Cardinals are not looking to spend that money kind of money on anybody right now. After adding three guys, um, and the Cardinals are talking about bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. So I don't expect them to add to the rotation. I think they still should. Um, I would be curious if uh, if Jordan Montgomery and Scott Boris wind up not getting what they want and just say, okay, let's. Let's, let's go high dollar, short years, let's, or, or one-year reset. I don't know which, what they're thinking, but, man, I, to me, if a, if a, if you have a chance, if you're not going to get what you want, you have a chance to go back to a team you've had success in, if you're trying to do the the bet on it and recast yourself the next year, then why not do it with the team you've pitched very well for? But that might be wishful thinking on my part because I keep trying to get the Cardinals to say they still be interested in the rotation. They won't shut it down, but it's pretty clear I think they're mostly thinking – relievers um the problem yeah. with that is josh hater's gone to the astros and now Rawls chapman's gone to the pirates so um i kind of would have liked to see them if they're gonna keep leaning bullpen get one guy that has some some sizzle factor um but i think those two guys are now gone because Hader's going to be doing it for the astros and chapman will be doing it in the division man we got to run here buddy uh, anything in particular you've got uh, cooking for the paper Well, I've got a column. I had to revisit this whole Matt Carpenter beef, and uh, folks will yell at me some more. But naming some other things that Cardinals fans who are just irate that Matt Carpenter is back should actually be more mad about because they're affecting this team more. I look forward to that, sir. And uh,
0: we will have the Hall of Fame announcement tomorrow night. We'll do a little Mizzou pregame, uh, a little abbreviated show tomorrow night before 730, and I'll uh, talk to you then. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. That's Ben on Brendan. We're wrapping up this hour after this on the Big 550.